Thank you, Brother Ryan, for doing a great job leading us in our worship this morning. Thank you, Brother Dave, for your great comments at the table. And to all of you who are here this morning to worship God, it's been a great day of worship. Wonderful crowd, so happy to be together and to worship the Lord. May God be with you, God. May God be with your family. I want to begin the second sermon this morning from the Word of God by telling you a story. I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you the story of Pat Tillman. Are you familiar with who Pat Tillman is? Many of you know who Pat Tillman is. You know that Pat Tillman used to play for the Arizona Cardinals, right? He played for the Cardinals from 1998 to 2001. After playing linebacker for Arizona State, the Cardinals drafted him with their seventh round draft pick, and he actually made the team. He actually made the final roster. He actually became a starting safety on the Cardinals, and he was pretty good. He was very productive. He distinguished himself with his play on the field, so much so that after spending four seasons with the team, the Cardinals offered him a $3.6 million contract for the next three seasons, and he turned it down. He walked away from their offer. He left their offer on the table and he enlisted in the army. He enlisted in the army in May of 2002. That's about eight months after the September 11th attacks in New York City. He enlisted in the army in the spring of 2002 and after completing ranger training later that year, he was deployed to the Middle East in fact, in April of 2004, while on his second tour of duty in Afghanistan, he was killed. He was killed in action. He was actually killed by friendly fire. You know what it means to be killed by friendly fire? Being killed by friendly fire means that a soldier is accidentally killed by somebody on their side in combat. It is when a soldier is killed by an ally. In Pat Tillman's case, he was accidentally killed in combat by a fellow ranger. A fellow ranger accidentally killed him while they were in battle, and his death is a tragic story. It is a very tragic story, but let me ask you this this morning. Let me ask you this. Can that same thing happen to us? Can that same thing happen to me? Can it happen to you? Can that same thing happen to us as we fight in the spiritual army that we're fighting in right now? I'm here to tell you this morning, my dear friends, that this same thing can happen to us, and it does. It happens to us in the spiritual army all the time. In fact, maybe it's happened to you before. Maybe as you have been fighting in the army of God for the last several years, maybe you've been hit by spiritual friendly fire. Maybe you've experienced a fellow soldier in the army of God saying discouraging and hurtful things to you before. 
Maybe you experienced a spiritual soldier giving you unfair criticism and unfair judgment. Maybe you've experienced some some fellow Christians, some fellow soldiers being rude to you. And being ugly and snarky and condescending and negative, and maybe they've embarrassed you and excluded you from being in their little circle. Maybe you've experienced some fellow soldiers looking down on you because you're not as educated as they are. Or because you're poor or you come from a part of the country that is typically viewed as backwoods and ignorant in their thinking. Maybe you've experienced some Christians behave towards you in a way that a Christian should not behave. In a way that's not very Christ-like, in a way that's not in the spirit of Jesus. I'm willing to guess that many of us in this room have gone through that kind of stuff, right? Many of us have been hit by spiritual friendly fire, and that's nothing new. That's nothing unique. That's nothing that is foreign to what we find in the New Testament. In fact, that's found all throughout the New Testament. I mean, isn't that exactly what was going on in Corinth? We're reading from 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians right now in our Bible reading. And remember in Corinth, there were some Christians there who were divided and forming factions and showing partiality and mistreating each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. This was going on in Corinth. And you know where else this was going on? It was going on in Philippi. Remember Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2? In Philippians 4 and verse 2, the Apostle Paul mentions two sisters, Yodia and Seneca, who were acting up. They were misbehaving. They were mistreating one another. They were now learning to work in harmony in the Lord. This was going on in Philippi. And then what about Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5? What about how Ananias and Sapphira lied about their giving? They lied to God. They lied to the brothers and sisters in Christ. And then what about Diotrephes in 3 John? What about how Diotrephes is described as a Christian who wanted preeminence in the church? He wanted to be the boss in the church. He was even kicking people out of the church. And then what about the great apostle Peter? What about Peter in Galatians chapter 2? What about how the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 2 that the apostle Peter was guilty of promoting prejudice and racism in the church. He was guilty of treating Gentile Christians one way in public and another way in private. In private, he would eat with them. He would be nice with them. He would form relationships with them, but in public, oh, he didn't want anything to do with them. He turned away from them. He shunned them. He did that because he feared the Jews. You see, unfortunately, for 2,000 years, for 2,000 years, many people in the family of God have struggled with this concept. They have struggled with treating fellow soldiers right. They have struggled with treating fellow Christians as family instead of as enemies. And the only reason I'm bringing this up this morning is because it does relate to where we currently are and our monthly series of lessons from 2 Peter chapter 1. For those of you who are members of this congregation, remember in connection to our goal this year, to grow to spiritual maturity, we have been studying through 2 Peter chapter 1. Specifically, we have been considering the Apostle Peter's ingredients 
for spiritual growth that are that are mentioned in verses five through seven. We have supplied this year to our faith virtue and the virtue knowledge and the knowledge self-control and perseverance and godliness. And now this month. It's time to talk about some brotherly kindness. It's time to talk about brotherly kindness. That is the next ingredient that is on the list. And so the question is, what is that? What is brotherly kindness? What is brotherly affection as some translations render this? Where brotherly kindness or brotherly affection comes from the Greek word, it comes from the Greek word Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Philadelphia has to do with our relationship, not with people in the world, but with each other. It has to do with our relationship with the people who are in this room, our relationship with people who are Christians in this room. People who are disciples, people who have loved the Lord and they believe in Jesus and repented of their sins and been baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. You see, while we are to treat and love all people in the world, there's a special kind of relationship we are to have as members of the family of God. There's a special kind of relationship we are to have as brothers and sisters in Christ beyond being people who gather together on Sunday for church. And who shake hands with each other after church and we hug each other and we wave and we smile at each other and we all know each other on a first name basis beyond having that kind of relationship. God expects us to be a family. God expects us to be close, to be people who truly care about each other, to even be friends. Be friends. And this is promoted throughout the scriptures. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22, in 1 Peter 1 and verse 22, the apostle Peter says, Since you have an obedience to the truth, purify your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. You put that what Peter says in 1 Peter 3 and verse 8. And there Peter says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. Peter has a lot to say about this, doesn't he? And then in Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, the Apostle Paul has something to say about this when he says, be devoted to one another and brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. And first Thessalonians chapter four and verse nine, Paul says, now it's the love of the brethren. You have no need for anything for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And then in Hebrews chapter 13, and verse one, the Hebrew writer says, let love of the brethren or let brotherly love. Continue. What do we see there in those verses where in all those verses and all those verses, the same thing is being discussed? And all those verses, the same Greek word is being used. It is the word Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the word being used in every one of those passages. The word that speaks of brotherly kindness, brotherly affection, brotherly love, the love of the brethren. This word is used over and over and over again in the New Testament. And you know what that shows us? That shows us it matters how we treat each other. 
It matters how we talk to each other. It matters how we conduct ourselves when we are around each other. It even matters how we view each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. God has high expectations for how we treat each other. He has high expectations for how we talk to each other, how we interact around each other. He has high expectations for how we conduct ourselves with children who have been adopted into his family. God wants us to have Philadelphia. He wants us to have brotherly kindness, a brotherly affection. And for those who may wonder, well, what exactly does that look like? Let me just spend the rest of this lesson doing two things. Let me do two things when it comes to Philadelphia or brotherly kindness. The first thing I want to do this morning very quickly is I want to show you what Philadelphia doesn't look like. I want to show you what brotherly kindness or brotherly affection doesn't involve. I want to submit to you that Philadelphia, brotherly kindness, brotherly affection doesn't involve hatred. It doesn't involve hating your brother. It doesn't involve being angry with your brother, being angry with your brother due to jealousy and resentment and bitterness. It doesn't look like what Cain did to his brother Abel. Go in your Bible, please, to 1 John chapter 3. In 1 John chapter 3, the apostle John takes us back to the time of Cain and Abel, two sons of Adam and Eve. And this is what he has to say about that in 1 John chapter 3 and in verse number 10. In 1 John chapter 3, and in verse number 10, the Apostle John wrote these words. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. You can easily recognize a child of God. You can easily recognize a child of the devil. How can you easily recognize them? Well, John goes on to tell us, anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message which we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates, there's our word. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that the murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Look at what John is telling us about Cain there. You see that? Notice how due to anger that was rooted in jealousy and resentment and bitterness over the fact that Abel's worship to God was more pleasing than his, Cain murdered his brother. Cain hated his brother. He did evil towards his brother. By his actions, he showed who his true spiritual father was. It was the devil. The devil was his true father because he had hatred in his heart. And that hatred led to murder. Brotherly kindness doesn't look like that, my dear friends. Brotherly kindness doesn't look like me being angry with my brother, hating my brother trying to harm my brother. It doesn't look like me having jealousy towards my brother, being jealous because my brother has a nice house 
or drives an expensive car or he has a beautiful family and he takes great vacations and he has a great job and he gets promoted on his job. Or maybe I'm jealous because he has a talent to serve in the kingdom of God that I don't have. Brotherly kindness doesn't doesn't lead to me hating being jealous towards my brother. That's not Philadelphia. That's not brotherly affection. And neither is betrayal. Brotherly kindness doesn't look like hating my brother, and it also doesn't look like me betraying my brother. We're studying from David at least once a month at 9 o'clock on, on Sundays, and we've learned that, that David's a special man. He's the only man in the Bible described as a man after God's own heart. That's one of the main things we're trying to understand about him. But even though he's a man after God's own heart, he's not perfect. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. He had a lot of flaws. In fact, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we find one of the stories that he's most known for in the Bible, and it's not a good story. It's actually a tragic story. It's a disheartening story. It's the story when he committed sexual immorality with Bathsheba. He had an affair with Bathsheba. He had an affair with another man's wife. In fact, this man whose wife he had an affair with was one of his military brothers. It was one of his loyal friends. It was one of the men who always stood by his side. It was one of his mighty men. According to 2 Samuel 23, it was Uriah the Hittite. Uriah the Hittite. You see, Uriah the Hittite was one of David's most loyal friends, but David wasn't very loyal to him. David wasn't faithful to him. David took his wife and he set him up to be killed in battle. He betrayed Uriah the Hittite and brotherly kindness doesn't look like that. It doesn't look like me betraying my brother. It doesn't look like what happens so often in the church. Brothers having affairs with other brothers' wives. Brothers committing sexual immorality with other brothers' wives and hurting God and hurting their brother and destroying their family. It doesn't look like a sister having an affair with another sister's husband and doing the same thing to her. It doesn't look like smiling, hugging, Shaking your brother's hand after church, but then getting in the car and before you even got to get out the parking lot, you're gossiping about your brother. You're slandering your brother. You're trying to destroy his name. You're trying to turn people against him in the family of God. That's not brotherly kindness. That's not Philadelphia. Brotherly kindness doesn't involve hating and betraying my brother. and also doesn't involve forsaking my brother. It doesn't involve doing to my brother what demons did to Paul. Remember in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10, Paul says that a Christian named Demas had forsaken him. He left him. Why? Because he loved the world. He abandoned Paul. That's not, that's not brotherly kindness. That's not brotherly affection. You see, if I have brotherly affection towards you, I'm not going to turn against you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to leave you when you're hurting and when you need somebody to talk to. I'm not going to fail to pray for you whenever you seek my prayers. I'm not going to fail to be there for you and to comfort you 
and to try to serve you when you're sick or fail to admonish you when you get caught up in sin or encourage you when you repent. I'm not going to forsake you. If I have Philadelphia, brotherly kindness, and I'm also not going to be selfish. Brotherly kindness doesn't look like selfishness. It doesn't look like what Judas did to Jesus. Remember what Judas did to Jesus? Remember, Judas pretended to be Jesus' friend. He, he pretended to be loyal and affectionate. He got close to Jesus. He even kissed Jesus because there was something in it for him. He could get some money out of that. He could get 30 pieces of silver out of that. He used Jesus to get something valuable and brotherly kindness. Philadelphia doesn't look like that. It doesn't look like me using my brother. It doesn't look like me getting close to my brother and pretending to like my brother and be a friend of my brother and be nice to my brother because I want to get some out of him. Because I want to take advantage of my brother. I want to get some money from my brother. I want to get good seats to the ball game with my brother. I want to persuade him to give me a job or let me borrow his car or at least give me a recommendation to work at the company that he owns. Really kind of doesn't look like that. It doesn't look like me speaking to you any kind of way I want speaking to you selfishly with no consideration for your feelings and your thoughts, not valuing your thoughts, not valuing your opinion, always insisting that things have to be done my way, never willing to sacrifice anything for you in our relationship. That's not brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness doesn't look like any of these things. Instead, it looks like this. It involves this. First, obviously, it involves kindness. It involves kindness. Go back to Ephesians. Please go in your Bible to Ephesians. And I want to show you Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at a couple of passages in Ephesians 4. And we'll start with Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 32. In Ephesians chapter 4 and in verse 32, the Apostle Paul says to us, Be kind. To one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. You see the first two words there: be kind. Be kind. Be kind to one another. You know what you find there in the first part of that verse? You find what's called a commandment. That is a direct statement. God directly commands us. To be kind. To be kind to brothers and sisters in Christ. To make a serious effort to be kind to members of our spiritual family. You see, being kind involves considering other people's feelings. It involves being benevolent. It involves being nice, having a good attitude, rejoicing over the successes of my brother or my sister instead of being jealous. Rejoicing with my brother because he bought him that he got that new home he wanted. 
Rejoicing with my brother because he, he just got married or he and his wife or they're having a baby. Rejoicing over the fact that my brother just graduated from college or he got a promotion on his job. Brotherly kindness involves me rejoicing with those who rejoice. And it also involves obeying that golden rule. You know that golden rule, Matthew 7, 12. Treating other people like I want to be treated. Treating my brother like I want to be treated. It involves avoiding being snarky and condescending and rude and negative, but instead be gentle, as Ephesians 4 and verse 2 says. Be gentle, show tolerance for one another in love. Philadelphia, brotherly kindness, involves treating my brother right. It involves embracing every member of the church. Every member at Monta Vista, even those who may not be in my little circle of friends. Actively participating in acts of kindness. Holding the door open for that elderly sister. Sitting next to a new convert or a new member of this church. Helping a college kid move into their dorm or move into their apartment. Taking my family to encourage and spend time with a shut-in or with a widow. Visiting a brother in the hospital. Visiting a sister in the hospital. Allowing a lonely saint to come and spend time with us in our home during the holidays. Thanking a deacon for their work of service. Saying something encouraging to the men. We're going to soon be appointed as additional leaders in this church. That's kindness. And brotherly kindness certainly involves that. It involves kindness. But not only does it involve kindness, we need to add to our list some sympathy. Some sympathy. You're still in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 again says, verse 32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. You see that? Tenderhearted. Forgiving each other just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Jesus puts it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7, Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they should obtain mercy. You see, if I'm going to possess Philadelphia, if I'm going to possess brotherly kindness, then I must be merciful. I must have a tender heart. I must possess Sympathy and compassion. I must have a heart for the struggles of my brothers and my sisters in Christ. I must pray about their struggles and let them know I'm praying for their struggles. I must really consider the information that is found in those family talk emails and not quickly send them to my trash. I must, I must be willing to help my brother. Comfort my brother. Console my brother. Weep with those who weep. Didn't Jesus do that in John eleven thirty five? 35? In John eleven thirty five, 35, the shortest verse in the New Testament. The scripture says Jesus wept. Why did Jesus weep? Well, Jesus wept because he was weeping with those who weep. He knew that very soon he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew that. But he saw Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, crying, grieving. And Jesus has sympathy. He wept with those who wept. That's brotherly kindness. It involves kindness, sympathy, and also humility. Look at Ephesians 4 again, but look at verse 2. 
Ephesians 4 and verse 2, what does it say? With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Notice the first part, humility. I got to be humble. What does the humble person do? Well, the humble person strips himself of pride and ego. The humble person strips himself of, uh, of selfishness. He's willing to sacrifice for his brother. He's willing to sacrifice time away from the ball game to listen to his brother. He's willing to sacrifice his blessings to help his brother when he realizes his brother is destitute. He's not going to let his brother go hungry. He's willing to consider the feelings of his brother. He's willing to consider how his words and his actions and even his posts on social media are going to impact the feelings of his brother. He's willing to bear with his brother, even though his personality may be a little bit different. Even though he may be a little weird and he's annoying at times and maybe we don't have a whole lot in common. Humility will lead me to still bearing with my brother. Understanding that my job is not to help or not to change my brother's personality, but it's to help him go to heaven. That's my job. I don't change personalities. I help my brother go to heaven. And that means that when my brother messes up and repents, I'm going to forgive him. I'm going to forgive my brother. I'm going to bury the hatchet and move on. I'm not going to hold a grudge. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm going to reconcile him to my brother. I'm going to forgive him because I want God to forgive me. That's humility. But then there's one more thing we need to add to our list in addition to those things. Brotherly kindness also involves connection. Connecting with my brother, connecting with my sister. We go in your Bible to one more place, to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 2. And in verse number 42, we see what the church in Jerusalem did. The very first church we can read about in the Bible. What they did after those 3,000 people were baptized and added to the church. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 42, it says, They, the early Christians, were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. In this context, that's talking about the Lord's Supper. We, just, we did that this morning. And the prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. We talked about that. There's your kindness there. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number or adding to the church Day by day, those who were being saved. Notice how in these passages, we get a snapshot of what was going on in Jerusalem. We get a snapshot of what was going on among the Christians in Jerusalem. Here we see that the early Christians didn't just attend church together. They weren't just kind of familiar with each other and they knew each other's names and they shook hands and, and they were kind of nice to each other. No, in addition, in addition to those things, the Bible says they were connected. They were connected. They were committed to each other. They were committed to being a family. They were committed to spending time together, not just in the worship assembly, but also 
outside of the worship assembly. That's what they did. And that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do. Like the early Christians, if we are going to display Philadelphia, brotherly kindness, we got to make an effort to get connected. Got to be connected. What does connection involve? Well, being connected involves opening my home to my brethren and accepting their invitation when they, when they offer that to, for me to come into their home. It involves being willing to be open with my brethren and vulnerable, not being ashamed to tell them about my weaknesses, tell them about my problems, tell them about the ways in which they can help me and giving them an invitation to feel comfortable enough to share those same things with me. I got to strip myself of pride and be vulnerable, be open with my brethren. And I also got to be there for them, got to be there for them, got to be there to grieve with them. Got to be there to listen to them. Got to be there to celebrate with them. Got to be there to support them and encourage them when they're struggling. Got to be there to show them love and admonish them in love when I see they're going astray. You see, Philadelphia involves kindness and sympathy and humility and connection. It involves all these things because, as we said earlier, we are to have a special kind of relationship. We are to have that. We're not just to be acquaintances. We're not just to be people who are on the same church roll sheet. We're not just to be people who see each other once or twice a week and we worship together. No, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are a family. We're supposed to be friends. We're supposed to be bound together by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is what the Bible says. And if you're wondering why this is so important, I'll remind you of what the Apostle John says very quickly in 1 John chapter 4. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 19, 1 John 4 and verse 19, John says we love because he first loved us. Now we're going to talk more about agape love next month. But just look at the principle right now. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. You see why this is so important? This is important because our love for God, our love for God hangs in the balance. Our love for God hinges on whether or not we really love each other. Whether or not we, we value our relationship, whether or not we extend even brotherly kindness. That's what the Bible says. And so may this lesson challenge us, please. May it challenge me. May it challenge you. May it challenge all of us to treat our brethren right. To avoid extending to our brother that friendly fire to challenge us to be mindful of our special relationship and practice Philadelphia and value every member of God's family. We are a family. And so I want to close this morning by just asking you, are you part of the family? Are you part of the family? We've been talking about the family today, the church family. If you're not part of the family, guess what? You can be part of that family. You can be a brother. You can be a sister. 
You can become one the same way people in the Bible did by believing in Jesus. Repenting of your sins and being baptized for the remission of your sins. So the Lord, not the preacher, the Lord can add you to the church. And so as the song suggests, why not now? Why not give your life to the Lord right here and right now? And if we can help you with that, come to the front. Let's stand, let's sing. While we pray and while we